1: Very strange place. Most of the time, the fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and the guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Increase
0: Reality with Shane Jones.
1: What is up, inquirers, and welcome to yet another fascinating episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. Today's guest is one of my personal favorite content creators who found his niche in his love for the strange and curiosity of cryptozoology, then perfectly blending the two to form one of the most known names in the cryptid community. I'm sure if you guys aren't familiar with his shirt designs, you guys have probably seen him somewhere, especially if you're active in the cryptid community. Hands down, I guarantee almost every single other content creator has one of these guys' shirts. But before we get into this awesome conversation today, uh, got to do all the front of house stuff, got to do all the news and updates. So I know that I keep saying it, but we're getting really, really close to it. And I just really want to see you guys there. So uh, if you guys haven't already made plans to come out to Squankapalooza, I highly recommend that you do. Uh, it's going to be happening August 26th uh, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., rain or shine. Uh, There's going to be vendors, artists, crafts, games, speakers, movies, activities, live music, food trucks, cosplay little bit of everything, and it's going to be happening in Central Park, downtown Johnstowns, Pennsylvania, and uh, it's going to be a cryptid carnival for all ages. It's going to be a great event, and it is free to attend, so all you guys got to do is just make it out there, and uh, you guys will have a full day worth of awesome activities, a lot of awesome people to speak to, but if you guys want more information on that, the link is available down in the show description, and I hope to see you guys there. Uh, As far as front of the house goes, if you guys don't mind leaving a review or rating for the show, I would definitely appreciate it. Uh, Any five-star reviews on iTunes, of course, I will read aloud on the show, give you guys a shout-out, give appreciation where appreciation's due, as I usually say. Uh, Better Hot Minutes, since I've had a typed-out review, so I would... Really appreciate it if one of you guys wouldn't mind sending one over just to uh, give me something I can throw onto the show. Uh, If you guys aren't already following the show on social media, I highly recommend that you want to do if you want to get any updates on anything going on with the show, uh, be it new merch designs, which I did recently drop, um, new episodes coming out, all that good stuff. Uh Instagram is the one that I am the most active on, but we are on Facebook, uh Telegram, Discord, uh also on YouTube and TikTok. So, if you guys aren't following on at least one of those, uh do me a, do me a huge solid and go follow me on at least one one form of social media or one video platform. Uh if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, whether you're an author, researcher, experiencer, contactee, whistleblower, uh cryptid hunter, uh paranormal investigator, uh retired, uh, army pilot, uh, any, any weird odds and end job, or you might have some weird encounters or some kind of open-minded philosophy or any of that. I want to sit down. I want to have a conversation with you. Uh, so don't hesitate to shoot me a message on Instagram, which as I previously mentioned is the form of social media I'm most active on, or you guys can always email me at increase of our reality podcast at outlook.com or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form and that will go directly to my email and if you guys aren't already checking out Bizarre Encounters, highly recommend that you guys go and check that out. Uh, that's the other show that I do with my two awesome co-hosts, Oren and Jenny. Always some new and exciting stuff going on over there. Uh, as the name says, we dive into Bizarre Encounters and that comes from the standpoint of uh, having interviews with researchers, uh, doing our own personal dives into some stuff, uh, talking to people who have come face-to-face with different uh, creatures and beings. Uh, it's a great show. I think you guys, if you guys really enjoy this show, you guys will definitely enjoy that show. So don't forget to go and at least check out one episode of that. And uh, if you guys want to keep tabs on all the stuff that I do, of course, uh, I always recommend going and checking out Open Minds Media. I do have an Instagram set up for that. um, If you guys want to be able to get information for all the shows all in one place. Try to make it easy. Uh, Same as with the uh, YouTuber TikTok. Got those set up as Open Minds Media. So you guys will uh, not just get the one show on there, you guys will get both shows. Makes it a little bit easier for everybody. Puts everything all in one place. So go and check out Open Minds Media if you guys haven't already. And uh, if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. Uh, If you guys aren't already a Patreon member, I highly recommend that you go and do that. Um, There are multiple tiers. Figure out which one suits you the best. Um, You get things such as ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, lives of episodes, live replays of episodes, exclusive merch store discounts. And uh, we're always expanding over there. So uh, if there's anything that you guys want to see as far as the Patreon goes, just uh, shoot me a message, let me know. But if you guys aren't interested in that, you guys can always donate to the show directly through Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, Red Circle. Uh, Red Circle, of course, being the RSS host for the show. If you guys are interested in donating that way, you guys can go all the way down to the bottom of the show description, uh, click on the link that says something along the lines of donate on Red Circle. And uh, if it doesn't give you some kind of option for a personalized message, uh, don't forget to shoot me a message. Let me know what you guys donated because of course I want to give you guys a shout out and give appreciation where appreciations do. Uh, and then the third way you guys can support the the show is to go and check out the open minds media merch store. Um, as far as updates and news goes over there, I did drop two brand new designs. So if you guys are interested, you guys can go and check out the all new, uh, anime squash design that I made for inquiries of all reality. Uh, really, really cool design. I did it, uh, kind of like the, the Japanese style. Um, there is some Japanese writing down the sides, uh, which of course do actually say inquiries of All reality and open minds media, pretty cool design. I think you guys will really enjoy it. I definitely enjoyed making it. Uh, or you guys can always go and check out the new bizarre encounters design that says stay bizarre, which is kind of the catchphrase for the show with a pretty cool little design on that. And I will have some new designs that I should be uploading again very soon. Uh, trying to build up the merch store a bit, um, add some more different types of stuff for you guys to, uh, make it so that you guys can not just wear the basic podcast logo, but have some really cool stuff to be able to share with friends and, uh, make it so that I got a little bit more, um, support to be able to keep expanding the show as far as uh, funds go for being able to go to conventions, do stuff like that. So if you guys wouldn't mind going and checking that out, I would really, really appreciate it. Uh, even if you guys do something really simple, like and I can always add stickers, anything like that. Um, I'm trying to be able to some more conventions, be able to get out, meet more of you guys. So anything you guys want to do as far as that goes, the best place to do so would be on the merch store or through the Patreon. But any help and support, always appreciated, uh, especially with these, uh, these kind of shows um, as far as Again, being able to actually get out and be able to interact with you guys and drive to different states and go to conventions and do all that. All that kind of stuff kind of adds up a bit. So any support, throwing it towards that, everything goes back towards the show. So at least if you guys support the show in any way, shape, or form, you guys can know directly that you guys are helping out a podcast to grow and I give you guys full credit for that because the only way that this show is going to continue to grow is with all of your guys' love and support and help, of course. And speaking of love and support, if you guys haven't already you went and checked out Joe over there at Crypto Teology, the dude's always killing it with those awesome designs. Uh, killing it with Squankapalooza actually, because he's one of the two awesome people that are putting that on. Also, shout out to Lisa from uh, Cryptid Comfort. Um, Etsy shop, I guess is probably the best way to word it, but she makes some really, really cool uh, stuffed animals, different things, uh, all pertaining to cryptids. Joe's over there killing it with all of his awesome cryptid-related shirts. So uh, just a little special shout out always, of course, check out Joe Crypto Theology. always go and check out Lisa, um, but especially go and check them out um, because they are putting on this awesome event that is free that hopefully a bunch of you guys will be coming to. Everything that I mentioned, all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show Jeff Warren, content creator, podcaster, researcher, a small business owner, man of many titles and seemingly always expanding on those titles. So, welcome to the show, man.
0: Hey, thanks for having me on. Glad to be here.
1: Glad we finally made it uh, made it work cuz like a lot of the time when it comes to this podcasting thing, man, everybody has busy schedules. Uh, you had, you know, a, a new uh, child recently too so your sh- schedule got shifted back a little bit too so I'm glad we finally got around to it gonna make it work and we both actually have some time where we can sit at night and we're in a hurry to do nothing so
0: <laughs> yep you have the kids are asleep and uh, we can just have fun <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, I guess for anybody that uh, is isn't familiar with you what you do uh, once you kind of let them know a little bit about what strangeology is exactly and how you got started doing it
0: yeah Definitely. Uh, So, Strangeology is um, a multifaceted thing. Um, First of all, there's the Strangeology podcast. Uh, So, I do um, research-based episodes and guest interviews about all things strange and unexplained, from cryptozoology to UFOs and aliens, uh, ancient mysteries, forbidden knowledge, conspiracy theories, the paranormal... Yeah, pretty much anything under the Fortiana umbrella uh, is is what I is what I deal with. Uh, I also have um, accounts on social media, uh, Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube, where I produce content, video based content. There, talking about you know the the same kind of stuff. So I'm all over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also have a uh, a merch store as well on Etsy. Uh, I do all my own designs. I have a background uh, as a professional graphic designer for, uh, gosh, 15 years or so. And uh, then I lost my job (laughs) doing that at the start of COVID, and that's when um, Strangeology started. It was kind of a perfect storm of uh, (laughs) losing the old job and starting something new, rising from the ashes type of thing. Uh, So that's kind of what I've been doing for the past three plus years now, which is kind of crazy to think about, but I I have a lot of fun with it. Um, And yeah, that's kind of who I am and, and uh, what I do. Came out on top, man. Talk about
1: uh, getting to be your own boss. Like there's no better perk in my opinion. And, you know, I'm sure that you had that downfall of like losing your job and having that, oh no, what am I going to do? But now it's like, you don't have to worry about, am I going to do something wrong? Am I going to get fired tomorrow? Like you're just As long as, as long as you're creating your content, people are enjoying it. Like it's all you, man. That's awesome. And I have a lot of respect for you for getting to that point, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's been a weird journey. Uh, (laughs) you know, I, uh, it's like back thinking back to 2020, um, there was like a interesting shift in my old job. My, the business owner was moving to a different state. I was going to work remotely and then business was already kind of like slow and then COVID hit and it was like two or three weeks. And then at the beginning of April, 2020, I got the phone call and I was let go and I was just like, Oh, well, what am I going to do now? And so I took a while to just, you know, Enjoy life, hang out with the family. And and I decided to start a Instagram and just to post about cryptids and UFOs and aliens. And I have to, you know, give props to my partner, my fiance, <laughs> for encouraging me. She's like, just do it. You have fun with it. And then after a couple of weeks of doing that, people started following the account, like a lot of people. A surprising amount. And I was just like, huh, there could be something to this. And so uh, it just kind of started snowballing and it took off from there. The podcast actually didn't start until the end of 2020. Uh, a lot of people that I had met through the community were super supportive of what I was doing. And I was like, you know what? Podcasting seems like it could be a lot of fun, maybe a lot of work, but could be a lot of fun. And I really love doing like the deep dive thing and chatting with people about what they do and their experiences and things like that um and uh it's just been a a really a really fun ride i just uh released my 50th episode the other week i've got a new one dropping this week as of this recording um but yeah it's it's been good
1: dude i was I, i this whole time i thought that you originally had started the podcast and that was like your push into doing everything, and now of course after hearing about all the many different things you do, that not that I already didn't kind of have an idea from you know meeting you, you at senior conventions, all that kind of stuff. But like, if you had to say that there was like one specific thing that was like the main piece of like strangeology, what would you what would you say that is like the podcast, the merch store, like the Instagram feeds, like what's what's like your your main thing that you kind of define as the main focal point of strangeology?
0: Gotcha. So I would say the main focal point is probably, oh, that's a tough one. Cause I feel like I dip my hands into so many different, (laughs) different things, but I would say the podcast is kind of my, my driving thing that I'm, you know, trying to always grow and, and get to the next level. Um, And the social media accounts are are definitely like a close second because I have the largest uh, audiences there, which I try to tell about my podcast and and drive to listen to the podcast. I'm not sure about the metrics on how many people actually (laughs) 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 drive drive through that tunnel. But um, yeah, I would say the podcast is kind of the driving force of it all. Yeah.
1: So uh, as far as like Instagram and everything goes, uh, obviously you post a lot of uh, really interesting little like short snippet videos. Uh, What have been some of your personal favorite uh, like short little folklore stories or just odds and end creatures that you feel that not a lot of people have talked about? Because I kind of have this thing I like to do on the show where, you know, there's the main ones that everybody talks about, but there's a lot of folklore that I feel gets like lost because of not enough people talking about it, so every time I have an opportunity to talk to somebody I know dives into weird little things just as much as I do. Um, I love to have some of those thrown at them because you know you ask the average person like, "Oh, tell me about a weird cryptid people don't know about," and they might say like, "Oh, the Flatwoods Monster," like you know, like the second tier of cryptids. But it talks <laughs> you talk to a real to like a solid like researcher that exclusively does all this stuff, and you find all the weird like odds and ends stuff. So I mean. What, what kind of really cool odds and ends stuff have you found, man? Doing some of your research.
0: Yeah, so um, I did this project for over the course of 2020 to 2022 uh, of this home state cryptids collection for my merch shop on Etsy. So it's basically like a, a home state pride type of shirt with like a state and then one of the most well-known cryptids on it and when i was doing this i was doing research on all of these things and making uh short form video content to talk about them and there are so many legends of creatures out there that it was just kind of surprising to me you know you look at uh Books like Cryptozoology A to Z, like you have in the background, yeah. <laughs> or Jason Offutt's uh, American Monsters uh, book, which I referenced for a lot of this stuff. And, you know, obviously there's the Bigfoot, there's Mothman, um, and stuff like that. But uh, I would say, as a second tier, cryptids, some of the most interesting ones that I thought <laughs> were really fun stories, uh, the Loveland Frogman mm-hmm. from Ohio. Uh, the first time I went to CryptidCon, actually, I stopped in Loveland on my way to Kentucky and I went down Riverside Avenue where uh, where the sightings originally happened back in the fifties where the businessman was driving down the road late one night and he saw these humanoid f- trio of frog looking creatures. And one of them lifted up this sparking stick or wand before they jumped down into the river <laughs> across the bank below. And I actually parked my car and got out and kind of invested. And I was like, Oh, this is a really, really steep embankment. I can't actually get down to the river, but it was, um, It was a pretty weird, weird experience, uh, I guess, just kind of being there and and feeling the energy, but uh, that's a a fun story. And there's other parts to it too, where in the seventies, there were some police officers that shot at the thing or they thought it was. And then later they were like, oh, it's just somebody's escaped pet lizard (laughs) (laughs) But then there's like more recent stories of people in some of like the local lakes there that thought they saw some gigantic humanoid frog just hanging out and chilling in the lake. Uh, I think there's a picture of it, allegedly. Who knows if it's actually a real? But you know, it's it's always hard to tell. You have to look at these things with uh, a skeptical eye and take things with a grain of salt, of course. Um, But. There's also the the Fresno Nightcrawlers, which I feel like they're kind of turning more into like a top tier cryptid, <laughs> just because of the walking um,
1: pants jokes. That, that's what gets everybody. Pants everybody jokes, loves yeah.
0: it. <laughs> yeah, But I love the uh, the old video uh, that that surfaced back in 2007, um, and I think the one that was. Uh, That showed up a couple years later in Yosemite a lot of people are like oh this was a hoax and I remember uh, someone on Reddit I think posted that they were the ones that did the CGI on on that video a couple months to uh, maybe it was last year or something like that and I was like oh yeah I mean I guess I could see that but when I started posting things about the Fresno Nightcrawlers I actually had some guy uh, from Canada reach out to me and he was telling me all about his story of encountering some being with his friend out in the woods behind his friend's house. And it looked just like this um, pair of pants, this tall thing that didn't have like a torso. And they get this like feeling of existential dread that they shouldn't be seeing this thing or they shouldn't be out in those woods at all um and it's just like huh okay so maybe there's something to this legend and i guess the the first nations uh people who are up in uh i believe it was in bc uh british columbia and they have old legends and folklore about um these things so yeah
1: it's um what's what's their really legends exactly because obviously they um, probably call them walking pants like what what, what did they kind of like decipher it as because i always kind of saw it as more of like a paranormal thing especially in the old videos they look kind of partly like translucent to me more so than like a flesh yes. and blood like cryptid but like you know what what was like the natives perspective if you knew it and also like what, what do you kind of take it as you think it's more like cryptid or you think it's more paranormal
0: also you know, um from what I remember, I believe that the the legends um stated that it was a kind of a spiritual entity um which it seems more like that, you know, based on the original video, um it seems like something that's not quite from like the early plane. Um and I can totally totally see that. It doesn't really seem like you know, cryptid, like an, an alien is a cryptid, like, which bothers me when people <laughs> say aliens are cryptids. It's like I kind of see it, but then I'm like, eh, they're aliens. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's something spiritual, I think. Um, and they have a, they had a few names for it and I'm not going to try to pronounce them, <laughs> nor can I remember exactly how they were spelled, but, uh, yeah. So, yeah, Nothing there that that isn't just like, you know, oh, someone who lived in Fresno, California, hoaxed this video, <laughs> because you know the the tales behind it are pretty, you know, suspect. Suspect. Um, like the guy went to a local TV station with the tape, and then the TV station didn't make a copy of the tape. They filmed the screen with a camcorder. And so it's like a copy of a copy. (laughs) And that's why the the quality is so bad. But um, shout out to uh, Nick Valenzuela of California Creepypasta. He's actually working on doing a lot of research. He did an episode for his channel where he actually went and talked to the brother. um, uh, I believe it was, his name was, um, jose who had the original cctv um recording i think he passed away a few years ago but his brother uh i think took over the house that they lived in so he actually went and talked to him and he's like yeah no this stuff actually happened uh this is real um and so he's been nick's been out there researching and i think uh getting to other people out there who have had similar experiences I, I, talked to him at a uh, monster fest uh, back in june he uh, was in the area and he showed up and he mentioned something about it <laughs> i don't know any other details but definitely can't wait to find out <laughs> what he's been working on um and as, as far as uh, any other uh second tier cryptids oh gosh that's a tough one because there's there's so many of them
1: well, I got a good one that you could probably share with the listeners. I know I haven't talked about it on the show yet, but I dive a lot into Native American lore, and it's one of my personal favorites. And uh, you posted one that I didn't think that anybody knew about, and I was like, oh, damn, of course Jeff would find this one, the Mahaha up uh, the Alabaskan legend.
0: Oh, yes, yes. That's a really creepy story for sure up in in Canada. Um yeah, this thing is, it's like uh, the tickle monster. <laughs> <laughs> and it would uh, basically, if uh, Inuit peoples came across this this uh, lanky, emaciated, long-haired thing out in Arctic tundra and it drew you near, it would like tickle you to death with its long claws. But then you could trick it by... Saying, "Oh, you need a drink of water before you kill me." And if you go to the water and you pretend you're taking a sip of water, you can, you know, give them the boot and kick them in the water, and then they just <laughs> float away. So, <laughs> but yeah, they're definitely uh, it's a, a pretty legend. Um, definitely, it feels like it has a lot of parallels to, you know, things like uh, a Wendigo or a Skinwalker type of thing. Um, there's a lot of similar legends of these humanoid entities that are malevolent and uh you know don't really like people all that much and they uh go out of their way to mess with us in not so nice ways
1: (laughs) that one at least kind of seems like a like a mix almost because i know you brought up like the wendigo but like you know wendigo oachuge uh skinwalker i feel like those are all kind of somewhat in the same category and then there's like the other half of native american lore that's all like uh like I guess you could say, kind of witch-based, where you have like Spearfinger and like Cherokee lore. Um, you know, it just seems like it's it's kind of like an in between between the two, because it kind of fits into the category of like a lot of the like witch-type lore when it comes to Native American stuff, but it also kind of fits like half into the like their creature lore. And, uh, it has that, you know, usual back and forth where half of these creatures, they have something along the lines of like, don't be near the river. Otherwise these creatures will see you and then they will drag you into the river. And then you have other ones like this that are just out of left field that are like, all right, if this thing comes at you. Then this time
0: you go close to the river and
1: then you push them in the
0: river. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's a way out of it, which is good. <laughs> and, and, um, I guess like speaking of humanoid type, uh, entities there was an episode that i did for my show about uh, a creature that people call pale crawlers are you familiar with them
1: actually a really fun story about that and i'm sure some of my listeners are aware um, i had a strange encounter and i thought that it was with one of these things until i started digging more into wendigo lore and realized that they didn't have the deer head but yes uh, ah. i mean you can share for the listeners of course that may not be familiar but I, i'm all too familiar with uh, the whole concept of a pale crawler.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. No, these things freak me out for sure. I um, and people, there's a there's a misnomer type of thing where people think these things are like the creepy pasta uh, creature called the rake because they have a similar similar kind of vibe, similar aesthetic, where like long claws and and they're uh, these bald. Lanky emaciated humanoids, but they're also super tall, they have sunken back eyes, uh, super speed, they can mimic some other (laughs) creepy attributes. But yeah, I I became aware of stories of these things back in like late 2020, early 2021, and I was like, I gotta do an episode about these things. So (laughs) I did all this research, and you know, turns out there's all these stories all over the and whether or not they're true, you know, a lot of you can make up anything on the internet. Uh, but I think there was someone who was working on coming out with a book about these things. But you know, you think of—I um, think they're called Pale Crawlers because of the descent. The movie—that's that, what I think the the monster name was <laughs> in that movie. These these devolved uh, subclass of humans that lived in cave systems. But maybe these things live in cave systems, not entirely sure. But it seems like they pop up pretty much anywhere. A lot of most of the time out in the wilderness, but sometimes people see them in like the suburbs, which is kind of (laughs) creepy. There's this one story that I was reading about where this this guy, um, I believe he was about like college age, early 20s he was camping with some of his buddies in a park, um, and like the Southwestern part of Pennsylvania, uh, not too far from Pittsburgh. I don't think. And he was a boy scout Eagle scout. So he had some like knowledge and skills on like what to do to like find wood to make a fire and all this stuff. And so he volunteered to like keep the fire going all night and his buddies are all drinking. and, this campsite had been particularly run over. So there wasn't a lot of firewood left over and he has to keep going further and further out. And this was like late March, early April. So it's still cold. There's still a little bit of snow on the ground and it's getting pretty late and people are starting to turn in, but he wants to keep the fire going. So he's like going further and further away from the campsite. And, he's out there. There's nobody else in the area. And he starts hearing this, like something out there flanking him, like kind of following his steps. And um, he's like, okay, that's probably just an animal, probably a deer. And he goes back. And later on, he goes back out even further to get more firewood. And he starts to uh, hear this noise again. And except this time it's not just flanking him from one spot in the woods. It's moving around, like vectoring around him, like really fast. (laughs) And he's like, what the hell's going on here? So he goes back to the campsite. And uh, it's, I think at this point in the, in the story, it's probably around like two or three o'clock in the morning. He goes out one more time. And most of his friends are like passed out. Uh, And he, gets out there and he starts hearing this noise again and it starts kind of like doing this weird vectoring thing. And he's like, okay, I got to get out of here. This isn't right. (laughs) Like whatever this thing is. And he's like running back to the campsite and he hears it just like following him. And so he decides to um, dive down into like a little, a uh, ditch that was like near a tree and he's like hanging out, not breathing, like trying to be like silent and it's dark, but there's still enough like moonlight to kind of illuminate um, uh, stuff moving around in the woods. Right. And so not like 10, 20 feet from where he was, I think it was it was probably more like 20 feet uh, where he decided to, to, jump down into this ditch he kind of peeks out and he sees this humanoid figure standing next to this tree uh and he's kind of like peeking around the corner looking at it and then he hears his friend's voice come out uh one of his friends who's he knew was asleep back at the camp uh calling out for his name and he was like yo what the fuck is this <laughs> and it yells out a few times and then once it realizes he it can't find this dude it like bolts off into the into the darkness at like superhuman speeds and so he's like yo I gotta get back to the campsite <laughs> uh, so that that story kind of catapulted me into looking into this phenomena further because there's so many stories like that where there's uh, like uh, someone goes to their grandparents' house who lives out in the country and they're playing with their cousins and then in the farm field across the way they see this humanoid figure kind of stalking them and it's just like yeah, no way and there was this uh, this one really interesting story that there's like a whole website about it and I did a um um a Patreon episode um about it uh, this guy who lived in Hay River up in Northwest Territories, uh, not, you know, a similar kind of global region to like Nahanni Valley. And this guy worked at a mine in Yellowknife. I'm not sure if he took a plane because there's really no quick roads to, to go because it's near the great slave Lake. And he was, I think he had the week off from, working in the mines at Yellowknife and he was driving down this long stretch of road. Uh, I think it was either Route 5 or Route 2 going uh, into Hay River. And it's wintertime so it's really desolate. Lots of snow up there. And he's driving and it's kind of like early, early in the morning I believe. And he sees this thing pop out of the woods from the side of the road and he didn't really know what it was he thought it might have been like uh, a wolf or maybe a baby moose or something like that. (laughs) like the dover demon (laughs) yeah you're right yeah Um, and he keeps driving but then this thing starts pacing his truck and he's driving like 50 60 miles an hour and this thing's just like galloping after his his truck. And he's like, what the hell is this thing? And he looked at it and it looked like this humanoid pale creature uh, with really long arms and like sunken eyes. And he was just, and then I think he outran it eventually and it like ran back into the woods. But he went out to the spot later to try and find any evidence of it. And I think he found a couple of weird tracks in the roadside where he saw this thing. So I'm pretty sure he documented some pictures, nothing conclusive of course, but you know, it's just like, what, what are these things? And when I looked into some legends about like the Arabian ghoul um, from Arabian folklore, Sounds really kind of like similar, at least in description of of what it looks like. Whether or not it's out there to consume like human souls, just not not entirely sure because there's not really any any lore or people uh, saying that these things attack them. It just kind of gives them like a feeling of dread and to not come close or mess with them, type of thing. Um, but yeah, no, it's a those are definitely definitely a creature that. If they're real, which it kind of seems like they might be, (laughs) it's definitely kind of freaky for sure.
1: See, I'm glad that you shared both the stories that you did because this may be an unpopular opinion, but you hear it a lot in the community about how... um, like multiple things will get different names, and then people will start categorizing them as different things. Because, um, at least for a lot of these pale crawler stories, I kind of get two different feelings from them. Uh, especially with the first story that you said that there was still snow on the ground, the thing was in the woods, um, it had the long, lanky arms, uh, it would mimic sounds, it would run fast in the woods. If you started looking up, like, the actual, like, how native was it to describe a windigo. That sounds pretty much to a T what they were like. They are more like these zombie-like creatures that would eat off their lips because they were so hungry. They're known to mimic sounds, um, and they'd have that like decaying kind of skin color to them. So that, to me, at least, sounded like a Wendigo, which is where I was having an issue with my encounter because it was like it kind of fit into both categories. And I'll share a quick over that in a second. But um. Then on the other side of it, another huge thing that I've been digging into lately is subterranean species. And if these things are seen around caves sometimes, and then sometimes they're seen in the forest, I feel like there's a possibility that they could be two different creatures that are visibly close. So people are categorizing them the same, and they may already be documented creatures. Because the other one would be like these subterranean creatures that people speak of. And uh, I've been digging in a lot into this research lately, doing a bunch of weird stuff, as I kind of shared with you a couple weeks ago. Um, but if you're familiar with like Edidorpa, uh like the creatures that are described in that, also seem very very close to like what a pale crawler's description is. And digging into uh, some other research that'll hopefully be a future episode for bizarre encounters, um, I was digging into the Moonai people um, as far as native lore goes, and they're one of those weird ones They don't aren't just in one specific like tribe's uh, history. They're talked about not like they're like a creature, but like another like race of like human beings that lived uh, near like Mammoth Cave kind of that area. But then there's these other stories about. Another creature that was very similar to these things, but they weren't three feet tall with the um with the nocturnal eyes. Uh, they were like closer to like a human's height, um, but also had like the pale skin. Had the same kind of thing where they weren't, they couldn't really see very well in the light. They had really good eyes for nighttime. But the the ones that came from the lore from the west, uh, they talked about how they had these weird tools that they didn't quite understand. Um, and then apparently there was this big battle they ended up pushing him north and i mean i have some theories thinking that maybe some of these moon eyed people ended up in the mammoth caves and that could partly connect into some of this like three foot like goblin lore um is actually these like moon eyed people that have adapted over the past couple hundred years and selective inbreeding and just kind of became their own separate thing but there's also this mix of the other moon eyed people that they kind of, they sound like they're pretty much the same, except like a tall version of the same thing. So I kind of threw that into the mix about all of these things potentially going into the Mammoth Cave. And then you hear about the stories about the three foot beings and the tall beings. So I'm kind of wondering if they kind of just learn how to cohabitate with each other and maybe breed like, you know, amongst like their, their different tribes rather than like, oh, a three foot ones with like a five foot tall one. They kind of kept, you know, separated a bit. And that's why you hear about this lore coming from specifically near Mammoth Cave about all these like white, grayish, you know, just underground looking creatures. But you hear the three foot and the five foot. And at least for the pale crawlers, I think that they are these subterranean cave dweller, taller beings, not the three foot ones, but the taller ones could be these other tall moon eyed people that the Western tribes talked about how they pushed east. Um, but yeah, at least particularly pale crawler, it kind of shares both categories with both of those things. So I'm almost feeling like it's one of those things that just because of hearing all these stories and then visibly looking close that people are starting to kind of like combine them into the same creature now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, Moon-Eyed People is not a story I I have, um, or a legend rather that I've spent a lot of time looking at. So that was really Interesting to to hear that and the connections that you've made, and maybe these things are subterranean. Maybe they're a a different species of human that evolved alongside of us, and we ran them ran them out like we did with the Neanderthals, and you know who knows, probably the Denisovans or (laughs) Homo erectus, whoever. Um, I mean, heck, even you know Bigfoot, (laughs) Sasquatch could be. You know uh hominid species that evolved alongside us, and mm-hmm. they're just hanging out chilling in the woods, <laughs> so yeah, who knows I mean specifically with these guys too, a lot of
1: Native American lore talks about how we came from underground in the third in the old world and came into the new world, so I partially start to wonder if maybe from the other great cataclysms that happened before this new like reset, if a lot of these tribes did go underground and they kind of adapted to be underground and only certain groups came up. And so maybe the other groups came up later after their, you know, maybe even a thousand years of adapted to living underground. And that's where you hear the stories of the moon eyed people all being nocturnal to the point where like, if there's a full moon, they have trouble seeing it's because they're used to the pitch black of a cave and it's another piece of folklore that's still kind of underlaying underneath that. It's like they talk about the Moon-Eyed people, how they're just like here one day. Maybe it wasn't the case. Maybe it was just some people went up, some people stayed underground, and then a new process of adapting to you know your environment kind of took place. And then after these guys adapted to be up... Uh, the ones that are still underground kind of realized like, okay, you know, these inhabitants are fine above. Maybe we can finally go above. And then once they came above because they visibly looked different, um, you know, they started getting run out of specific areas. They started getting pushed back into the caves because they were weird because they can only see well in the dark and people kind of glorified them as like creatures rather than just adapted things to live underground and in caves. Cause it's like the same thing you'll see with like lizards, fish, all that. They, they'll adapt to make it where they pretty much, they don't they, I mean for like something that has hands and feet, of course you're going to need some type of like visual ability, but like most of those things, they adapt to a certain point of not even having eyes because they just learn to get better with their other senses. But you know, with a right. humanoid type figure, it's like, I feel like you're still going to need some type of eyesight to be able to like interact with your environment properly. So they'd never fully go like blind at that point. They just adapt better to seeing in pitch black darkness.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's super interesting uh, a super interesting theory about how humanity, according to you know legends like the Hopi have about uh,
2: mankind going underground to survive a cataclysm
0: into the moon eyed people <laughs> but uh you know that totally could make sense that uh, groups of people uh maybe stayed behind and they evolved different characteristics and abilities to survive underground for extended periods of time you know that's a interesting thought
1: See, I like getting uh, weird with the theories on this show. Um, I hadn't actually shared really much of this information as far as this goes. And it's one of those things that it just totally like perfectly kind of spiraled into what we were talking about. And uh, I mean, as far as like the Moon Knight people go, and you made the connection with like the Ant people, um, you talk about how people will describe things based on like what they're familiar with. So like you'll have the dog man lore in the United States and then you'll have dog man lore in Africa. But in Africa, they're going to call it the Hyena Man because that's what they're familiar with. So if you had these like moon eyed people that were told to have like bigger eyes. Cause assumably that's kind of how it would work as far as being able to like take in light to be able to see better in the dark would be, you'd have to have a bigger pupil or like a bigger eye. So it might just be a matter of like, you know, two different perspectives of the same thing. And the closest thing that they could think of that this big eyed thing looked like is, oh, that looks like it has an ant head. So they started calling them the ant people. And over there, they called them the moon eyed people. Because rather than point out the fact of like, oh, their eyes are bigger, they're kind of looking past it like, oh, they're moon eyed because they can only see at night when the moon's out. It's just two different perspectives, possibly of the same thing based on just like their background of knowledge and what they can kind of describe it as.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, there's so many things that are connected. It's uh, the longer <laughs> the longer I look into things, you know, There's, it's like uh, <laughs> the conspiracy board in the background with all the, the tacks and the strings, <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> See, in the native lore stuff, too, it's always like there's some really, really good solid stuff in there. Um, there's a lot of symbolism, too, so it's like you hear these stories about creatures, and you don't know if necessarily it was intended to be more of like a symbolic story of, you know, just being a good person or whatever like like how the uh the possum lost its tail kind of story it's just talking about not being cocky essentially but it's not actually about like the animal itself so it's like with these things you don't know if it's just a a story that they're trying to push a message across or if there's actually some type of uh background to it and also just because of the fact that it's Oral tradition for so long, it's hard to know like what the original starting facts were just from people transitioning it too. And then it gets into the creatures, and like a lot of them do sound like you know they could potentially be very likely. And then out of nowhere, you'll be researching Native American lore and find that uh, you know, they believed in a giant head that would float around with wings and attack people too. And it's just like, uh, I don't know about that one, but the window is pretty fascinating. And when you look at it from the like zombie angle instead of like the deer creature angle it becomes a little bit more believable at least for me it does
0: yeah yeah and then you think about things too like the uncanny valley and our ability to get really kind of weirded out or You know, on guard for something that looks human, but isn't human, you know, (laughs) like what were our ancestors seeing back then? Was it another uh, hominid species or was it one of these monsters, these cryptids that we, you know, (laughs) they looked kind of like us, but they weren't us. And you needed to have some kind of defense mechanism uh, psychologically to. Identified that and to realize when something was a threat or not. So you know that it seems you know the, from an evolutionary standpoint, you know, like the people long ago were dealing with some some weird stuff out there, it seems like. <laughs> and some of it has survived until today in very, very small pockets, perhaps.
1: I know a lot of people like to talk about Uncanny Valley when it comes to like AI. Um, but at least for, you know, it's, it's obviously an evolutionary trait to that, I mean, could be something as simple as the fact that we knew that there was a bunch of different like humanoid type creatures that existed at the time. And it may just be that like safety within your own tribe kind of concept that, you know, people kind of ran on for centuries. And that also being said, too, it makes you wonder if these uh, other upright hominid species that we you know scientifically know about, um, they're not necessarily quoted as like cryptids would have had like the same sense. And at that point it kind of becomes more of just like a safety mechanism in, you know, just being safe with your crowd versus it being like some weird thing that people try to turn it into. Like, uh, you know, that person looks a lot like a person, but they're not a person. I know they're not, they must be some kind of like alien or like shape shifting creature. Like that's what everybody likes to describe it as. But I feel like it's something a little, a little bit different than that, you know?
0: Right. Yeah, for sure.
1: (laughs) But I'm still wondering if those things would also have that same, same thing going on too where it's like you know these weird cave dwellers that people are seeing these pale crawlers you know they're seeing humans and they're actually just like oh that's not us but it kind of looks like us and maybe they're kind of doing the same thing that like a person would do in the aspect of like you know you're in a danger moment and you see an animal so what do you do you try to act big try to act scary to try to get it away from you rather than like full on sprinting at it and it seems like more often than not these like pale crawlers uh, type creatures the subterranean things not so much the wind type stories because those come head on but the other ones seems like they always like kind of instill this like feeling of fear or they kind of just I mean you don't even necessarily have to instill it if you just watch them a distance and make it obvious that you're watching like it's going to creep something out and it's going to go away from you and if these things have been around for say as long as humans are like you know it could be something as simple as that they're like all right there's a human nearby they're going to come near our nest or whatever so what do we do son uh, we sit at the top of the hill and we stare at them and they leave <laughs> every single time <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah for sure that's um you know if, if they're if they have intelligence you know and people say similar things about bigfoot type creatures that you know they uh are smart enough to try and stay away or they have their methods of deterring people from venturing further into their territory like throwing rocks or uh doing wood knocks or vocalizations and stuff like that to intimidate, you know? So yeah, they could be smart <laughs> humanoid animals. Who knows? Who knows?
1: I heard somebody make this a uh, really good analogy, at least for Sasquatch, but I feel like it probably universally works for like any of these cryptids where, um, you know, a human has a rat in the house. They obviously want the rat out of their house. They're not necessarily going to go for that kill shot first. They're going to try to just shoo, shoo, get out, get out. And when you can't get him to get out, then you go for the kill, kill shot. And when you're like in the woods, you know, and you're essentially like hanging out in Sasquatch or whatever cryptid creatures like Front Room, it seems like they kind of do the same thing as like how humans view rats where it's like shoo shoo and then if they won't shoo then it's like all right now i have to take care of the problem and i really know i wish i remember who said that cuz i heard somebody say it and it's a great analogy and i just can't figure out who the hell was the one that said that it was on another show at some point
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no that's a good point that's a really good point <laughs> <laughs> yeah cuz i mean we couldn't go toe to toe with with these things for sure unless you Come armed to the teeth, predator style, you know.
1: <laughs> it seems like your best bet, at least if you're digging into the old stories, is carry a can of uh, chewing tobacco on you. And when they try to eat it as a snack, get them to eat the full can and run as they're throwing up. That that seems to be the way to get away from these things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> I'll, I'll remember that one for sure
1: <laughs> that was uh if you weren't familiar with that story that's that uh that one hunter who claims that he got like picked up in his sleeping bag and they were trying to like make him part of their family and they're trying to like feed him and all that kind of stuff um oh. i can't remember the guy's I've name offhand but yeah. it was really weird and it was an interesting story
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh speaking of encounters i know before uh started talking on the show, you said that you've had some strange experiences and, uh, you know, in in light of the show and the way the show has been going lately, as far as kind of pushing away from conspiracy and going more into this kind of stuff, I feel like I universally have to ask any guest that comes on the show to share any of their bizarre or weird experiences they've had.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'll start off with something kind of innocuous. Um, (laughs) I grew up in a small town in Vermont out in the woods, and used to spend a lot of time playing in the woods uh with my buddies and one day <laughs> me and my my old friend we were just kind of exploring and wandering around on one of my neighbors properties and uh they had this like really steep incline in their woods going up uh to their house and we were just kind of messing around on there um, and we got to the top and we're just kind of wandering around looking around and we come up to this tree and we both look up at the same time and we see this animal like hugging the tree it wasn't a raccoon it wasn't a squirrel it wasn't a possum <laughs> wasn't a bird (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't a bear uh it looked like this weird little monkey thing and i live in vermont and we don't have monkeys that live in this part of the world naturally at least Um, and we're looking at this thing and it has these like huge eyes and i don't know exactly how big it is it was um it seemed like it was maybe like I don't know, a foot long at 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 best. It wasn't very big, um, but it had these kind of like simian hands, and it was just like gripping the tree. And I was like, "What the hell is this thing? Let's get out of here!" <laughs> so we both bolted and went back to my house. And later on, we're like, "We should go back and see if it's still there," because we're kids. And we get back out to the spot, and it's gone. And after that, I didn't really think anything of it, and. Years and years later, uh, I got really into music. I'm a musician, have been for gosh, uh, closing in on 25 years now.
1: (laughs) Just a quick little plug, Um, too do you have any of your music online anywhere? So, if anybody's curious and wants to check it out, uh, far forget, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, uh, doomservice.bandcamp.com is where you can find my band's music. I, uh, sing and play guitar so <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> shameless plug yeah 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 uh, so i uh had recently picked up a copy of the mars volta's uh first ep tremulant and on this album artwork that they have is like an outline version of a creature called a tarsier and i was like wait a second that looks really familiar <laughs> and so i like looked it up on I don't know, Wikipedia or something like that. And um I'm looking at pictures of this little simian creature that doesn't not live in North America, but I was like that's what I saw on that tree. So I don't know if it was like <laughs> you know, local cryptid but uh you know, maybe somebody had an exotic pet that escaped or something like that. I don't I didn't pay attention to the local news back when I was like 10 years old or whatever, <laughs> whenever it was, but you know, it's just like a weird, weird creature, uh, encounter story. Nothing too scary, pretty innocuous. Like I said, but, um,
1: just for shits yeah, and giggles too. If a, anybody wants to look it one. up, cause it's spelt kind of weird. Uh, how do you spell Tarsier? Cause I know a lot of people like to look I stuff be, up.
0: Uh, I believe it's T A R, uh, S I E R Tarsier. Tarsier and, monkey.
1: I think I think I found it. Yeah.
0: I think they live in Africa or Southeast Asia. I can't remember which right now. But um yeah, they it was <laughs> it was pretty weird. It looked exactly like like that thing. It had the fur, had the big eyes, the humanoid type hands with the opposable thumb. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at a picture right now where it's like hugging, hugging a tree and it's just like, yeah, but those things are actually like really tiny. This thing that I saw looked a lot bigger, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure. See, in the
1: pictures Uh, I was looking at online, somebody was holding a skull and they looked like the skull could probably like fit in the center of your palm with like an inch and a half to spare on each side like these things, these things are tiny if that kind of gives anybody a size idea of the skull. So the skull from front to back like forehead to back of the skull is maybe it looks like like an inch or two. Like th- these things are tiny. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they're they're not they're <laughs> they're way smaller than a house cat. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I don't know what the heck that thing was. Uh, but um moving on from creature stories cuz that's really the only thing I've ever personally encountered um
1: kind of seems like it might possibly be just to throw this in real quick like you know the whole little people lore as far as like native american stuff goes because i hear a lot of stories about people seeing like puck wedgies in like new Ooh. england kind of area and uh, i don't yes. know i don't know if it's exactly kind of fits the description of it but it seems like there's a possibility that it might be like really really close and considering that, obviously, like a like a baby version of something looks different than like the adult version, um, obviously, nobody's really reported stories about seeing like a baby puckwudgie. you know, they get, you know, about three feet full size, you know, maybe they do have elongated eyes, they're a little bit bigger, but people kind of describe them as kind of somewhere in between being like ape-like and human-like, instead of being like that porcupine quill kind of look that people usually draw them for online, but... I don't right, know just the possibility right. you might be one of the few people that maybe accidentally saw a baby puckwudgie,
0: but <laughs> Inter That's interesting. That's interesting. And the Bridgewater triangle where there's a lot of pu- puckwudgie activity and even new Hampshire, you know, I'm not i uh, I'm a stone's throw away from those parts of the world. So yeah, that's an interesting thought. Huh? I might have to look into that. Um, and, uh, I, I've got a couple of, UFO stories, if you want to hear. Oh, absolutely, uh, About those. <laughs> so uh, uh, there was um, so the, the, the biggest one <laughs> that I saw quite literally, uh, happened in 1997. My brother had taken me out to go see the re-release of Empire Strikes Back in uh, a movie theater in <laughs> Burlington. It was when they were first adding adding in cgi when it was like (laughs) state of the art at the time but you look back at it and you're like oh god was
1: that right when they added uh boba fett into extra scenes in that movie because he was more popular than they expected him to so they like threw him in a couple extra spots
0: (laughs) yeah i'm pretty sure and all like the weird cgi like creatures and different things like that so excuse me we were uh Driving back, and it was probably like nine o'clock at night. It was um sometime in April of ninety-seven. So it was uh it was a clear night, and we're driving back from Burlington, Vermont, and we my brother likes to take all the back roads instead of taking the highway to get <laughs> to get home. And so we're on this long straightaway in a town that's like eh, two towns over from my hometown. And I see these three lights off in the distance. And so, off in the distance at the end of the straightaway, there's a tree line and the road kind of dips down into a river valley below where there's like a whole bunch of like farms and cornfields and stuff like that. <clears throat> and I see these lights, they're over the tree line and they're pretty low. Now, in this area, there's an airport, Burlington International Airport um and i'm like man that plane is really low to the ground there's one two three lights in a triangular formation i thought they were like the running lights on a plane but they seemed like abnormally large for a plane and i'm like wait a second like the airport's over that way i never see planes coming in this direction (laughs) and uh you know 13 year old me is like trying to deduce the situation. So I'm like, maybe it's lights reflecting off my brother's like car window. I was sitting in the backseat of his old Volvo 240. <laughs> it's swamp <laughs> I rolled gas. Down the window. Yeah. <laughs> swamp gas for sure. I rolled down the window, you know, old school style.
1: Good old cranks. I miss out. those.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I look out the window, lights are still there. They're not moving. And I'm like, okay, and we're getting closer to this thing. And it's like a mile long straight away. And I'm trying to like get my brother to pay attention. He's like, he's like, "Shut up, Jeff! (laughs) Just (laughs) hang out back there. (laughs) Like, don't worry about anything." Typical brother fashion. um, (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And we get up to this thing, and it's part of it's over the road that dips down into the valley below, and we're driving. We we drive under this thing, and I can I like looked out the window and i could see uh one of the lights um coming over from the tree line since there's no trees like over the road right and the other two were still kind of obscured by the trees and we drove drove under it and we never talked about it for gosh uh i don't know 15 16 years and then we were family event uh back in like 2011 and the subject of ufos came up i don't know (laughs) who who brought it up but i was like oh yeah i saw ufo once uh with with my brother and he was like oh yeah i remember that thing i was (laughs) scared shitless and i was like you saw it too you told me i was crazy (laughs) so he, he was just trying to like stay calm i guess and like not freak me out uh but like having a corroborating witness to that story i was like okay i wasn't crazy i saw this triangle and when we drove under it i mentioned it was a starry night it was clear skies we drove under it i couldn't see the stars uh, in between like the light and the other two obscured lights so it was a solid object now people will say that uh, these triangular ufos are the tr3b black manta the Aurora, whatever. It's our technology. Uh, I don't know for sure. I don't think anyone knows for sure. There are some interesting patents that uh, people have found that show a similar-looking craft. I don't know what one would be doing hovering over uh, a farm <laughs> in Vermont. <laughs> it doesn't really make sense to me. but Maybe that's back, the point.
1: Because <laughs> yeah, they can't do they one in do. an obvious place. They got to do it over a random farm because then at that point... They could test out this technology. Anybody sees it goes UFO. They're not going to go, that's a government plane. That's a weird plane. Like that, That'd that be like the yeah, perfect spot. It's incognito as hell. That,
0: <laughs> that, that's, yeah, no, that's, that's a fair point for sure. You know, I'm not saying this thing was alien. It was definitely an unidentified flying object. Uh, but, you know, when Google Earth came out, they have a measurement tool. And I looked up the coordinates where it happened on the map and I like kind of measured out to where I thought I could remember uh how big it was and I don't remember the exact footage but I think it was like bigger than a 747 or around the same same size so it was it was a pretty sizable craft it wasn't like a small thing um so whatever this thing was <laughs> it uh it meant business, I guess. So, um, I say, so you never yeah. really know for sure, like
1: you were saying, but at least for me, just using my own method of reasoning, uh, I've always kind of taken the like triangle ones as pu- like. If I had to guess, if it was either human or alien, I would kind of assume that those are human just because of the aspect that they do kind of share a lot of like familiar setup with kind of like how we do airplanes. Um, But again, you you never really know for sure. It's still an unidentified flying object no matter what. But um, like at least for uh, like X-Files, I know this is probably going to be a bad thing to reference, but I feel like that show had a lot of like, you know, kind of just kind of tuck it in there. And uh, one of the first three episodes is they're investigating this area, and uh, Mulder sees a UFO, and it's that triangular shape with the three uh, with the three lights, and it ends up being government related. They like wipe his memory, kick him out of it, and then you know the special agent guy pops up, and he's like, "Yeah, not, don't investigate that one. Go to the other one," because obviously you know we're doing some of this stuff. But
0: <laughs> I mean, obviously
1: <laughs> yeah, horrifying all the same one. to see it, regardless. <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily horrified. I was just more like, what the hell am I actually seeing a UFO right now? And like at the time, like I grew up watching, you know, uh, in search of and sightings and all these specials that came out about UFOs and that kind of thing. Um, But like I said, my brother also saw it. So it wasn't like I was seeing things or whatever. (laughs) So yeah, it's just a, a really interesting Interesting case, uh, there's been some other like strange things in the sky that I would probably classify as UFOs. Uh, there was one time when I um, recently actually, like when I first started strangeology, I was out getting some dinner for the family, uh, and I'm at this food joint up in town, and I uh, see this be- like bar of light like up in the clouds. It was like a pretty cloudy, like sunset. Um, and again, this is not the same town where I saw the triangle, different location, uh, but it's actually in the flight path of where planes land. But this thing was like off in the distance, probably over Lake Champlain. And it was just this bar of light and there wasn't enough sun coming up from the sunset to um, illuminate it like that. Like if it was like a, a you know uh it was making the the metal exterior of a plane get shiny because there was no sun coming through the clouds and it wasn't above the clouds and then it eventually just kind of like disappeared into the clouds and it's just like huh actually i have a video of it uh early on on my instagram feed if anyone wants to check it out it's pretty uneventful but
1: um, <laughs> i still want to see it though i'm gonna like, dig
0: into it <laughs> yeah yeah i was like what is this thing um maybe it was a plane i I don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, um, it seems like, you know, a lot of people go searching for UFOs and they really want to see one. And most more often than not, they never do. These things kind of just happen (laughs) Mm -hmm. to you, you know? Uh, so you just kind of have to (laughs) go with it, I suppose. Try your best to figure out what
1: it is. And I mean, like I was kind of saying with like the, the pyramid ones, like I, I, Think again, nobody knows for sure. They could be 100% alien, um, but you know, just me thinking that they're possibly human. But for like the weird ones like that, where they almost seem like they're like a bar of light or something just that doesn't make any physical sense. I mean, there's always, of course, like the option of just some kind of weird reflective light off of something, but. If it is extraterrestrial related with those ones specifically, I kind of wonder if it's one of those things that obviously there's multiple levels to reality. So, you know, like the typical like flying saucers, I think, might be from, you know, the same like plane of existence as us theoretically, even if they are using like portals, stargates coming from somewhere else. Like, I think they're kind of on the same plane. But I think that there's obviously still like levels to reality. And when you see the weird shaped ones that don't make any sense, I kind of feel like it's that whole next dimension up idea where I know I've described this a bunch of times on the show, but you know, you're know, you seeing a bouncing ball and something that's in the water. If you like throw the ball on top, they're not seeing the full shape sphere of the ball. They're only seeing the circle on the bottom because it's a matter of like their perspective looking at it. But that one specifically, if it was just like a straight bar of light, I kind of wonder if it was like you're just seeing like the bottom or the side or a piece that we can't necessarily comprehend because like it doesn't that shape doesn't exist like within our reality and this is where i get into like all the weird like biblical stuff and the connections all this and how there's all these weird connections with lights in the sky and the bible things like that that the typical like image of an angel is this like bunch of eyes with like spinning wheels shit like that that doesn't necessarily make sense in our dimension and i feel like even like Within the Bible, like everywhere, there's like all these references to these things that exist just above us that they make no logical sense in our reality for how they would fly, how they would move, like any of that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And you know, tying in into that with like the the recent whistleblower, the uh, David Grush, and you know, even like Tom DeLong from Blink One Eighty Two talking about NEHI, non human intelligence, can't necessarily call it extraterrestrial. Uh, you know, it seems like the the conversation on interdimensional beings is kind of coming a little bit more to the forefront. I've been I calling mean, them extra dimensional phenomenon. I, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's possible that it's like all of the above. You know, it's our technology, r- reverse engineered, but then there's also beings coming from other planets. Uh, there could be, you know, extra or, or interdimensional. Um, the. Entities, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> and then there's also like the 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 idea of like hollow earth, you know, if you want if you want to go <laughs> go that way too, you know, with like a breakaway civilization that uh, lives in our oceans or under the surface that uh, has been with us for uh, a very long time. And um, yeah, it's just weird weird thing.
1: <laughs> or shit, other end of the spectrum you go into simulated reality and these things and weird phenomena that we're seeing are just things that are coming into the into the simulation to mess around and have fun for a bit. It's <laughs> wearing different skins. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I think <laughs> that's funny you mentioned that cuz sometimes I think of like UFOs popping in and they're just like going crazy speeds like thousands like Mach 25 and turning on a dime and stuff and I think of like us using an application like Google Earth and like zooming in and flying around and stuff I'm like ah you're the devs. <laughs> this is a simulation and you're the game developer. Okay.
1: <laughs> See I was imagining it kind of like Could GTA be. sometimes especially with these like Krypton encounters that it's just like you come into the game and you just rampage some shit for a bit and I've been talking about this theory for a <laughs> while about like you know, with video game development, you have all these NPCs, everybody wants like the characters to like interact, to, like do things, not just be the typical, like, you know, what we had back in nineties, two thousands, where they're just the straight standing character. It's gonna get to a point where they add AI into these things and they become like sentient and conscious to a certain extent. And I've been talking about this shit for months, and I heard some game developer talking about this the other day, and I'm like, Oh, I knew it, like I've been saying this shit. And if we're at that point where we're starting to create that. Like, why couldn't it go a step back that something else created us to for their amusement and we became sentient because they wanted more interaction and we're always talking about this like weird phenomenon, all these like one-off phenomenons, for example, and they could all literally be the same thing it's just whatever is outside of our created reality just choosing what character they want to play as no different than literally the path that we're going down with video games once you start adding ai into video games it's like you go in you pick a skin you fuck around and have fun for a while and you dip out and disappear and that could even explain the like sasquatch three step disappear it's just done with the character done playing pulled out of the simulation
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's that's it's a uh, simulation theory is really uh, interesting you know <laughs> and a lot of people are like well if we live in a simul- simulation like what's the point of like any of this I don't know what the point is maybe it's to maybe we're avatars of something like the soul that's just trying to evolve and get better and learn new things or we're the universe experiencing itself uh, but like Nick Bostrom the uh, professor that um, really kind of wrote about simulation theory even he's like you know it's kind of like a 50 50 chance that like we're not in i'm pretty sure it was him that wrote this but we're not in like base reality like there could be layers and layers and layers of you know what's going on different dimensions if you will it's uh or like in in rick and morty right Mm -hmm. (laughs) like they have all the multiverse and then rick created like a sub universe like a pocket universe and then the people there made a pocket universe as well. So it's like, who's to say where it all starts and where, where it ends. It's um, (laughs) an existential crisis.
1: (laughs) That's, that's the crazy thing about it too. And that seems to be like the thing that I go back to the most where it's like, it sounds crazy but at the same time though out of like a lot of different conspiracies and things like it completely makes sense and everybody likes to throw out the idea just because of like the name like simulated reality like i call it an organic simulation just because i feel like it kind of takes the edge off a little bit but it's like Again, like how, you can't really deny it anymore. If we're about there, and then it's like again, how far back could that easily go? Like, there's a lot of weird shit that doesn't make sense in our reality, and everybody gets into interdimension interdimensional theories, and all these like astrophysicists talk about multiple dimensions. You know, it may not be something that naturally happens that exists in nature. It might be just something as simple as that that there was an original base universe. And then everybody started creating a universe, then a universe, then a universe. And then maybe at one point, somebody created two universes within that universe. And then both of those created two more universes. And all of these infinite dimensional theories all come back to the fact that, again, it's all just a reality within a reality because of just getting to a certain point of being advanced and then wanting to play God for another one. But then once something's in that system, like it doesn't know that it's in the system. It's not aware that it's in the system. It's just always been and doesn't think anything about it. It just goes about its life and exists and makes the most of what it is aware of what's in front of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me think of, uh, like the, the laws of physics for our universe are like so dialed in that if like anything was off by just like a little bit, like none of this would exist, which a lot of people, you know, take to mean that like, something something here was like artificial or programmed that way and you know whether or not that's like uh, the devs someone developing a simulated reality or if it's like a a god deity type of figure who knows exactly uh, did you ever see the uh the movie the 13th floor i think it came out the same year as the matrix It was this... um,
1: I want to say I have. It sounds really familiar, but I don't remember offhand at the moment.
0: Yeah, so it was this movie about this company that was developing like an AI simulation type of thing. Um, And it took place in the late 90s, of course. And they were making this simulation to be like 1930s, like California. So there's like the old timey like rum runner vehicles (laughs) and uh, speakeasies and stuff like that. And then there was this whole like conspiracy going down where the the head of the, the leader of the project got murdered or something in the simulation. And then he died in real life. And then there was, I don't know, it was an interesting story. And then it turned out that the people who we started out with, who are making this old timey, Simulation were they weren't based reality. It turns out that there was one above them at the very least that was like <laughs> 50, fifty years into the future from like the late nineties or something like that. It was I don't know, it's a fun movie, but it's a very similar concept to you know uh, the simulation hypothesis.
1: I'm gonna have to look that up. I it sounded familiar. I've probably seen the cover at some point, but it seems right up my alley. And it seems like wh- I've watched so many movies, man, that it's like. I have to dig to find something new to watch and that seems like one of those like perfect movies for me to watch that somehow just like squeaked past my radar.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a uh, an unknown movie. I think because the Matrix came out the same year that was like the blockbuster this one was kind of like uh, uh, overlooked.
1: <laughs> it was kind of like uh what was that movie? I think it was called like Dark City or something like that. They came out around the same time as The Matrix and that was a really weird trippy movie and that one got overlooked. Um, Not to give a spoiler away, but like this guy's in this town and just everything's like off and there's these like uh, pale guys with like black hoods and everything. And you don't really like know why they're around or how they're able to like alter reality. But it's a really weird movie and uh, highly recommend anybody who wants to see a weird, trippy movie to check that out. That's another one that got slid by due to the Matrix. (laughs) It is called Dark City. I just verified it came out
0: in 1998. Nice. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But, uh, I guess, uh, kind of starting to wrap up towards the end here. Um, I always like to do words of wisdom, uh, from the guests to the listeners. So if there was any, uh, words of wisdom you could bestow on the listeners, what would it be?
0: I would say, uh, words of wisdom is to do what you love. I have always been into Fortiana, the strange and the unexplained, um, And I found myself in a position where I needed to (laughs) pick myself up by my bootstraps and make something of it. And uh, if you're looking to start something like a podcast, just do it. You can start with your computer mic and your webcam and just start looking into things and, and researching and trying to speak with other people who are knowledgeable in, in the field that you're, you're doing. It's, uh, something that I think pretty much anyone can do if that's what you want to go for. Uh, but follow your passions and, and live your truth and, and, uh, live your best life.
1: Honestly, man, life's all about experiences. And if you don't enjoy the experiences that you have the opportunity to have, it's like, what are you doing here? And as far as I'm concerned, man, it's like everybody needs a passion. Otherwise, it's like, what's like the spice of life to continue on? Like the average person, you know, watches a lot of movies nowadays, which is fine. You know, like everybody has, you know, their own thing to each their own, but they're not doing stuff that um, is engaging, um, that is work that you feel accomplished for like doing. And I kind of feel like that's where what a lot of people are lacking nowadays. So great words to live by off the aspect of like, find your passion. It's going to be work, but it's going to be in work. And when you're done with it, you're going to feel like you really accomplished something. And like at the end of the day, man, like there's no better feeling than accomplishing something that you wanted to do, especially when it's like your own project and you're not like going to work and doing a project for somebody else. Like you got to find your own work and it just makes everything fall into place. And even for starting a podcast, man, like I'm sure we all started off basic and simple. Like I started off with a uh, $30 mic And I made everything work with some of the basic programs I have. So even to throw that out there, if anybody's thinking about starting off a podcast, you don't have to start with all the the top-of-the-line equipment, spend a bunch of money. You can uh, use some free RSS hosts and buy a $30 microphone. And as long as you're willing to tweak it and try to make it sound good, you'd be surprised where you can go with it. And don't let anything hold you back in the process. Just figure it out, man. (laughs) Uh, For anybody that enjoyed the show, uh, they want to come and check out your work. Uh, Where can they come and find anything strangeology yet and also just throw it in again at the end because you are a musician uh, where can they find your music at
0: oh yes right uh, so Strangeology.com, that's kind of my my home base I have a blog there which sorely needs to be updated I haven't had time because of family and everything else I do <laughs> <laughs> hoping to get back to it someday or maybe hire hire some writers who knows if you're interested in, in uh, you're a writer let's talk uh, just go to my contact page and and fill out the form. Uh, but you can also find me on Instagram, strangeology or strange dot ology because <laughs> strangeology was taken. Um, and TikTok, Facebook. Uh, I'm also on threads and, uh, the app formerly known as Twitter, pretty much anywhere <laughs> on, on online, uh, YouTube as well. Uh, you can find me and for, uh, the music aspect of what I do. Uh, Doom Service is the name of my band. You can find our music at doomservice.bandcamp.com. Uh, it's also on Spotify as well and YouTube. Uh, but you can download it for uh, our last album for free uh, on Bandcamp. Um, and uh, yeah, we uh, hopefully are going to record a new record soon. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody has the time anymore. We'll see what happens.
1: And uh, I appreciate you making the time to come on the show today, man. I hope everybody goes and checks out your show if they haven't already because I thoroughly enjoy your show. That's, uh, you know, just trying to support you since I found your show. So hopefully others will do the same and hopefully they enjoyed this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it with you, man.
0: Yeah, and thanks so much for having me on. This has been a blast. <clears throat> and again, um, strangeology.com. I've got all my links, but you can find the show anywhere that podcasts are uh, streaming, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, anywhere. <laughs> Check it out.
1: And, uh, of course, for all the listeners out there that don't want to have to uh, type that stuff up, I will include all of it down in the show description to make it quick and easy for you guys. So all you got to do is uh, click the link and you know give them a follow and start checking out a show because I know you guys will – if you guys enjoy this show, you guys will definitely enjoy some of the stuff that he digs into over there. So. <laughs> If you guys enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a rating or review for the show on iTunes or Spotify. And of course, if you guys leave a review on iTunes, then I will read on the show, give you guys a shout out. And uh, if you guys don't mind sharing the shows through word of mouth, whether uh, it's a particular episode of the show that you think somebody might enjoy or you think they might enjoy the show as a whole, or even if you go on to TikTok or YouTube and you want to just send somebody a three-minute clip of a specific point of interest in the show, all of that is awesome. All of that's going to continue to help the show to grow. And I love you guys for doing it. So... So always, always, always share through word of mouth in any way, shape, or form. And if you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, uh, you guys can always email me or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form, and that will go directly to my email, of course. Uh, Make sure you guys check your spam or junk folders. Make sure nothing gets missed because it seems like a lot of my emails go to spam or junk because I do send out a lot of links considering that, you know, of course, uh, doing a podcast, it's kind of a thing that you kind of have to do in order to get people to come on the show, but all the awesome email servers just assume that I'm spam, but whatever. Um, If you guys want to just bypass that altogether, you guys can always just send me a message on Instagram, which is the social media that I'm the most active on. Uh, Everything that I mentioned, of course, all available under the link tree, which is L-A-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Inquiries of Our Reality Podcast. And with that, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody.